Hello, welcome to the first episode of Afters. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, I hope you can make it to the end, but if not, please give a shot. I'd appreciate it. Um, so as promised, today we are discussing two biopics of two individual iconic rock stars of the kind of late 1960s to 1980s. So we have Bohemian Rhapsody, which came out in late 2018, and Rocket Man, which came out in May 2019. And there was a very interesting overlap there, I think. Like Bohemian Rhapsody came out, and I remember seeing trailers of Rocket Man at the cinema. But yeah, we're going to be talking about both of these um, and their similarities and differences and whether they're enjoyable today. With me, if you can't tolerate me for the full time, is Georgie. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Maddie. How are you today? <laughs> I'm, I'm so well, too. I've had a great day of being inside and doing the exact same thing as yesterday. Oh, that's Apart lovely. from this, which is nice. Oh, switching it up. Yeah, crazy times. <laughs> so, Georgie, what are you drinking today? Oh, today I have Pims. Oh, yeah. I know, I've gone all lovely. out. I'm having some gin to celebrate the first episode. <laughs> Not that I need an excuse, but there we go. Right, so I hope um, you listening have got a drink as well. Um, and we'll get started. Uh, cheers. Me drinking my drink. Right, so let's get stuck into the films. Firstly, I think I'm going to say both are really amazing films. I thoroughly enjoyed watching them and so did many other people. They're very popular and essentially both are following the lives of these two very kind of unique individuals who are really talented and who go through the kind of whole roller coaster of um, really kind of intense and like quick fame uh, at this time. Um, and it's kind of about their personal lives that we probably people hadn't really seen before so that's really interesting um i've written down here that i think one um uncontestable thing is the acting in both films and my favorite part of rocket man was taron egerton's acting georgie has commented on the document i shared with her that that is just because <laughs> i fancy him which is true but i also think the acting is really good did you not think mm. that his acting was um that good what did you think of it no no obviously i did i'm in no position to come (laughs) (laughs) not as good as mine (laughs) but um no i think the thing that really threw me obviously i love the human rhapsody i remember we saw that together and i loved that i think yeah we did i saw it it the second time with you too um i was just thrown by rocket man at the beginning because i wasn't a massive fan of the the format I guess I, I remember you talking about this, the kind of the way it opens in the um, the support meeting. Uh, I wasn't yeah. quite sure about it, but then when it got into the kind of, it felt like we were in the present with Elton John. I I didn't even, yeah, I thought Taron Egerton was great. I mean, I didn't, I thought he was Elton John, you know, I wasn't like, oh, that's Taron Egerton doing an impression of Elton John. Yeah, I think he was really good. And I think the issue is, yeah, so people who haven't seen it, there is this layout that it's um, it's him essentially telling his kind of early life story whilst in this kind of AA star meeting. Like the first thing he comes in, he's like, I'm addicted to sex and drugs and alcohol. And um, yeah, and then they talk about that, which is it, is, it is a little bit cringy, the format of that, I think. I think it 
I would have happily had it jump straight in. I think both of our favourites was Bohemian Rhapsody out mm. of the two. I absolutely loved Rocket Man. It was really good. I think both of them, it was amazing acting, great cast in both. They did, I think, the music well in both of them. Uh, mm. But yeah, I don't know what it was about Bohemian Rhapsody, but I think I just enjoyed that more. I think I came out of it feeling way more emotional. I think Rocket Man was mm. very, very sad as well, but I think it was just purely sad the whole way through. <laughs> yeah, genuinely. I was just crying for the last hour. It was just pure crying. But I get what you mean. You come out of Bohemian Rhapsody and it felt very powerful and uplifting, yeah. probably. they. I mean, they finish it on that note, which does feel uplifting. And uh, uh, I don't know. This thing with biopics is, I can't tell how biased we are if we're bigger fans of Queen and Freddie Mercury, then would I naturally enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody more than Rocket Man? I don't know. That. what do you think the music not just the music just maybe am I more invested in it I don't know though because I was incredibly invested and cried a lot of tears over Elton John so who knows yeah, it's undeniable that both of them go through a lot and that's kind of the <laughs> premise of both films so there is it is an emotional roller coaster to watch um and it's both both of them are inspiring because they both did very well and the kind of the differences with Rocket Man is that it ends with kind of saying that he's been through this hard part of his life and it ends that he's it's then going to get better. And obviously we know that because we know, you know, Elton John's alive today and it says all the stuff that he's done since then. And it is that sadder element to Bohemian Rhapsody because it ends just before um Freddie Mercury's death. But mm. yeah, speaking of that actually, um I think a big difference in the two was also that obviously Bohemian Rhapsody was made, the main character was someone who um, died a few decades ago and this is kind of looking back and it's about his kind of friends and family telling the story of his life. Rocket Man was more about Elton John. I think he was very heavily mm. involved in the story kind of telling his life. So do you think there was much of a difference in both of those two in that respect? tricky because obviously you're going to be you've got to be careful whenever you're telling anyone's life story obviously if you're telling yeah. your life story you're going to have control over that and maybe that comes with more freedom because you feel like you're able to represent yourself better and maybe they didn't want to say anything about Freddie Mercury that you know he wouldn't be comfortable with you just you know what I mean you have to be careful but yeah. there's the similar argument with Bohemian Rhapsody that Queen the band member so it was Brian May and uh, is it Roger Taylor? Roger Taylor, yeah. Yeah, they were really heavily involved in the production of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. And um, apparently lots of people saying made themselves out to be and seem a lot better than is necessarily true um, and sort of kind of washed over their involvement in certain things. And, you know, I think I, that's I, also I mean, that's an issue in Rocket Man as well, kind of, though, is that obviously it's natural well, if I was going to make a film about myself, I wouldn't exactly portray myself as a massive bitch, I don't think. <laughs> so I think with Elton John, obviously, there's that element. I think what he does, a lot of it seems very, like, truthful. It shows highs and lows. But there is mm. always going to be that element. I found not that much. Obviously, I don't want to be too harsh on him. But I found you are questioning it a lot more, I think, when you know the person's alive. Whereas I feel like you're so mm. much more, I think, also reluctant with Bohemian Rhapsody because... 
biopics after someone's death there is this kind of sense of master if they're an amazing person looking back mm. but i think there was elements of bohemian rhapsody that made him seem like a real person in the sense that it wasn't just he was amazing the whole time he could also be a dick and had bad sides and that's why i think it was so engaging to watch i think there mm. was an element of that in rocket man too for sure yeah definitely when he you know turned around to his friend that had always been there for him um Oh, the I'm writer. Terrible because I forgot his name. Yeah, the songwriter. Bernie, yeah. Bernie, yeah. When he was terrible to him, I mean, it did show us that. But I guess also from a creative point of view, like whoever was writing these films in a way had to make sure that the protagonist was somewhat likable because it's. I feel like yeah. it's so hard to have a film where the protagonist is just constantly being a bit of a twat and you're like, not that either of them are, but just in general, that's <laughs> going to be quite a tricky thing to sell because you want the audience to somewhat like them and you always relate to someone that you know is amazing but has some bad sides and all that because we can all relate to that but you know this is something else actually i think is um a big question with these i've seen more of bohemian rhapsody is the accuracy of it how important is pure accuracy to these films and one thing that has annoyed me a little bit is people got annoyed at bohemian rhapsody because of the chronological accuracy in the kind of band-aid and everything was that was at the end it actually came before when did they find out about his diagnosis but that's the thing it's not a documentary it's a film and it's not the aim of the film I didn't think was to portray every kind of event chronologically in Freddie Mercury's life it was to represent what he was going through the journey he went on like he started off as one person and became you know he was so different by the end and I think you know to end it on oh I said band-aid instead of live aid I meant live aid sorry (laughs) (laughs) thanks but yeah do you know what I mean that that was something that I think that is not the issue of accuracy we need to be discussing I don't think if a film was 100% accurate firstly how can it be and also I don't know it's the kind of the end of his life it slowly he kind of went out of the limelight Mm -hmm. and things stopped that wasn't he wanted it to end on this big kind of Hollywood style note I thought was kind of the aim mm. of the film yeah you left the cinema feeling like you got some sort of experience out of it I mean it was epic wasn't it just the whole like yeah the set of it and the fact that they completely played through it it was amazing and I think they obviously knew so many people they like thousands and thousands of Queen fans were going to be seeing this film they wanted to give them something that they'd appreciate and I think lots of fans did appreciate that they had that set and they had something like that to watch and what like was that quote you said that freddie mercury said about him being represented like never oh there was a video on youtube which i can try and find for you to put in the comments and he was talking about why he didn't necessarily like bohemian rhapsody and it was because there's a quote by freddie mercury which i'm gonna massively paraphrase because i can't remember but it was like um Go for it. uh like do anything with my music or my life or something but don't make me boring. That was the important part. Yeah. And this um this uh film uh commentar, uh he said that he thought that the film made Freddie Mercury boring and so had failed Freddie Mercury. Really? And that's a whole another conversation, I suppose. God. But that is wow. that is apparently a quote by the Freddie Mercury. See yeah. that's the kind of thing that I think with that massive performance at the end, I mean, what obviously obviously I did not know him. But what I get from him is that he (laughs) was all about the kind of the show and Mm -hmm. really put so much into his music and performance that ending it on 
that scene with that um, Live Aid, sorry, was so good because they filmed it completely with no cuts, like straight from beginning to end. And it was so mm. amazing to watch. Apparently, it was exactly like the um, original clip of them that they perform, which I think is yeah. just amazing. It, that's the thing, it was good to watch. But I think if you want to go and watch these kind of films, you shouldn't be going in for complete accuracy because a film is a creative product. It's never, you know, mm. it's not a documentary. That's always going to be its aim. That's what I personally felt anyway. Yeah. But it's interesting. I haven't really heard the same about um, Rocket Man, interestingly. Mm. Um, it's so tricky, isn't it? Because biopics are so personal in a way that yeah. you feel like you have to be careful, but you also have to be creative and have to keep your audience engaged. Like, who was it? There was someone saying that, um, Elton John's original manager, his son, didn't like the way his father was portrayed. So the the original yeah. manager of Elton John really wasn't happy with that. And I guess that's such a tricky thing to navigate because you're always going to... I mean, you're never going to portray a character that's there not to be a protagonist, but just sort of a supporting role. You're never going to portray them in all of the kind of dimensions that you might want them to be portrayed in, you know? Also, I mean, depending on who you are, but most people don't want their dad to be portrayed as a dick. So, like, the issue yeah, is, is exactly. that, you know, even even if that is how Ellen John saw it and that's what occurred, yeah, you, you can't please everyone with these. It is, it is a very different, difficult thing to tackle, I think. But mm. one interesting point you've raised before about this is about um, the point of consent. And it is quite bizarre, the fact that, you know, making this film about Freddie Mercury and it gets very, very personal. We're going to talk in a bit about how his sexuality especially is represented. That's kind of, that's not the main part of the film, obviously, but I think it's a key part that he comes to terms with and it's something that he seems to struggle with from his marriage to a woman to that ending and his relationships with men. Um, it just feels so weird. Like for this, I've been doing kind of, research into different articles like did he say he was gay what was what did people say about him what was his life and it feels so odd to be you know prodding into someone's mm. sexuality in such detail and you know how it was represented it is always going to be difficult he he isn't alive to kind of say what he feels comfortable and uncomfortable with being in the film yeah mm. It is, it's so tricky. That's the thing. I think this will always come back to this as biopics are so personal. And yeah. I mean, especially if the subject of the film is now dead, like how are you ever sure that you're going to do them a service? And how are you going to... Sh- you never know. Unless Freddie Mercury has outright commented on something before, then there's just a lot of speculation. And speculation can sometimes feel uh, somewhat disrespectful in a way, just to be talking about someone's sexuality. I know like... A lot yeah. of people comment on the fact they don't want their sex, like their identity to be bored down to their sexuality. And I'm not, not at all saying that is what the film is doing. But, you know, all of that speculation, I guess, could be seen as, well, why are we doing this? But then also, uh, I remember you saying, raising the point that some, some maybe it is important because there's so many issues with, like you said, bi-erasure. Some people yes. are bringing that up, you mentioned. So in a way, it is important to represent him um, correctly. But then how do we do that? I think this is definitely a point to talk about. Like I said, there's a lot that goes on in the films um, and it's about their journey and there's many aspects to that. But one key point, as you brought up, is their sexuality. And I think, yes, it's very difficult. You don't want to focus too much on it. But actually, at the time, this is the late 60s to the 80s, this is the time where being gay can do 
so much damage to their careers. We we see it in the films. Like there's a bit in Rocket Man, isn't there, where the manager is kind of saying, "You have to, you can't do this with me. Mm. You have to act straight. You have to be with girls. You can't show this relationship with me." I looked at it, and basically, yeah, so um, homosexual out. Yeah. relationships were decriminalized in 1967. Elton John's debut album came out in 1969. Mm. And I mean, laws don't change attitudes and they certainly don't change them in two years. Mm. So this is clearly still a time, as we know, that where it, it was quite dangerous, I think, for um, gay men and people who didn't identify as straight um, to go public. Like even then we skipped to in the mm. 80s, um, Maggie Thatcher being the kind and forgiving woman that she was. She was very famous for saying, like, oh you, you, can, you can be, this is paraphrasing, obviously, but yeah, you can be gay, you can do your thing, but keep it inside. Don't do it in public, keep it inside. That was a real message that she pushed. And that's, you know, in the 80s, that's, you know, 10, 15 years after these two men mm. were at the height of their fame. So I think it is quite, I personally think, um, in terms of kind of, LGBTQ plus history it's quite um, interesting to focus on those aspects of their lives for sure and you mm. mentioned the issue of bioerasure so this is something that there's a scene where Freddie Mercury comes back from tour um which his wife is Mary Austin he's been married to and we see kind of they have you know they're very good at kind of subtly suggesting things we see they've kind of you know clearly had a happy relationship they've had sex they've suggested to that and he comes back um later on tour and there's also been suggestions while she's been on tour that you may have had relationships with men comes back and she says she wants to talk about something and he admits that he says I might be bisexual and she turns around and snaps Freddie you're gay um, and that's quite an integral scene in the film because from that point on it's a very decisive moment the kind of lover's life at the time is saying that and from that point on we see him kind of struggle to terms with his new sexuality. And that's the issue I think lots of people have. So when I've written this on the document, interestingly, Georgia, you put what has Mercury said about his sexuality? And this is the thing, he never publicly came out. Um, I've been looking into about what he even said to his kind of band members, the people close to him. He never, I don't think there was ever an explicit conversation about that really. And that's the issue with portraying it in this way, as that mm -hmm. being a decisive point in the film. It appears to be like, yes, he's a gay man now. We're going to look at that. And that's the issue we talked about before, about that he's dead and can't consent, and we truly don't know. He wasn't clearly comfortable talking about this publicly at the time. So it makes it difficult to pursue it in this way. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's then looking at it, I've obviously... Obviously, there are lots of things. I really enjoyed watching it and really found it very moving, like what he was going through and things. But then looking at what um, gay men have said personally about watching it, it's very interesting because uh, lots of people have had an issue with it and how he's represented. So one thing is people don't like the, the way he's represented in that he kind of is uh, portrayed in certain stereotypes that apparently gay men face like every day. And it was very difficult to watch on screen. For example... Um, an article I'll put in the description, but um, someone says the film reduces queer identity to a series of promiscuous encounters. And I guess that is the case because from his breakdown of his marriage with Mary mm. Austin, we don't really see anything kind of cast that 
dodgy relationship with his manager who treats him very badly. There's kind of hints at that. Um, he's going to kind of clubs, having lots of different relationships. We don't see him have a kind of proper cemented relationship until the end of the film with his long-term partner, Jim. I guess that was something I didn't necessarily see straight away, which I found really interesting mm-hmm. to read about. Yeah, I suppose, again, another tricky thing to navigate because I I bet the director yeah. is thinking, I want to show this kind of, this era of, you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll and all of that, this kind of, you know, free love and um, that kind of freedom to express yourself, which meant, you know, um, especially within that kind of like, the idea of being involved yeah, in like, the rock and music industry in that time is about excess, right? So it's so tricky because I bet the director's like, well, we want to show that because that's the kind of everyone thinks of that era in that specific way. But then that can be damaging because it feeds into this stereotype of like hypersexualization of um, queer people. It's definitely like 100 or so years ago when people thought it was extremely wrong. um, There was this belief, I think it was kind of really early 20th century Victorian times that it was men were, it was when men were too sexual that they then, they then looked for those relationships. That was an old belief. Even now, though, people still think that, like, um, yes, definitely. lots of sexualities, but especially for bisexuality, it just means that you're greedy, uh, yeah. that you just want lots of sex and you're willing to have sex with Yeah, I think that's the thing with the issue of bioerasure as well. I think, like I say, it's very difficult because we don't know. And this was, the film was kind of made on people he was close with, his band members. I think Mary Austin actually had a big role in it as well, and he was very close with her. They were best friends. Right? Did you know that he left her most of his estate in his will? It wasn't to Jim, his partner, it was to her. So there was that clear connection Aww. throughout his life. But I think bioerasure is very difficult because mm. I think that is something, bisexual representation on TV, I don't think I've ever, I can't say I've really seen it at all I think there is Mm. a strong sense in Hollywood that I think now if there's someone who is um kind of a member of the LGBT plus community I think that is kind of like one of the main elements of their character in a film or tv show and they they are the gay friend or the gay character in that sense I think Mm. that's why more maybe that's Mm. why more kind of fluid roles aren't really looked at as much but that is definitely a whole another conversation. But yeah, it's interesting. So clearly, as you said, there are some issues with looking into Bohemian Rhapsody that people have um, criticised, which I think is definitely something that I know I can't, I mean, you probably can't either, like comment directly on like how its representation of gay men has affected. Um, but I think the thing is, both of them are very similar and both of them talk about these two <laughs> men who were going through, like you say, this hard part of fame in like the 70s and 80s, going through all of this, and they were going through a time where they were gay and they had to deal with that being in the limelight. And I think it's really interesting that why why now? Why did studios think this was the time, late 2018, middle of 2019, why was it that this was the time to do both? You know, clearly there was something going on in the studios that kind of they got word they were doing that film so they were going to get Elton John to do mm-hmm. Rocket Man. I wonder why why they decided now I guess there's an element of history mm-hmm. in that now it's been what 30-40 years so you can look back um, rather than it being so recent but I, I wonder whether it has mm-hmm. an element of 
is now becoming a mm-hmm. is it now a good time to, to look back and talk about these things is it better to be able to talk about how men struggled with um being gay in this period i do not know i feel like if they really wanted to talk about sexuality if hollywood wanted to do that then they would be doing that i mean yeah. obviously these aren't the first films to be you've got some not. massive call me by your name yeah. obviously um do you, like talking about um lgbtq plus relationships so it's tricky because i don't know i don't think it's all just because that like now is the time that we can talk yeah. about um the sexuality of these figures but then um I don't know. I feel like the cynic in me agrees with your first point about production companies yeah. and Queen is a great band to capitalise off. I mean, they're still doing tours. They're still making a lot know, of money. They still have a lot of fans. So maybe it's that idea of Elton production John companies getting wind either, of someone so. doing it. <laughs> that, <laughs> so maybe it's that kind of idea of, oh, well, if this is doing well, this is doing well. You see Hollywood some do all the time. Yeah, like, even with, I think, looking back as well, I mean... We, it could be a very kind of positive aspect of looking back at this time. Let's try and talk about it. Let's be more open about what people are going through. Or it could be, uh, well, I mean, now these songs are kind of seen as like a throwback and kind of people mm. will be into it in that sense. We can do it. Because I think music was a big part of the films as well. I think if yeah. you enjoyed the music, yeah, that was a big incentive to go. I would still recommend people watch it if they like or dislike both the music anyway. Because like I said, I think there's a real story behind behind what both of them went through and the journey they both go on but I guess if you hate the music of both of them it would put you off because obviously there is a big element of that in the films yeah it's like you wouldn't watch Mamma Mia if you hated ABBA (laughs) yeah that's true there isn't that (laughs) much to Mamma Mia apart from the songs though I love it I'm not (laughs) hating on it I love the films but that is kind of a big part of it I think let's go back to the fact that the Bohemian Rhapsody received a lot more criticism than uh, Rocket Man for its representation of Freddie Mercury's sexuality. One thing, interestingly, is people say um, in an article, it says there is kind of focus on the heterosexual rather than homosexual. So there's the issue that he is obviously it starts from his relationship with uh, his marriage with a woman, um, Mary Austin. And then there's this period where everything's hinted at. He's going through a lot and then he kind of finds his other partner Jim a man at the end which I think is true looking back Mary Austin is definitely a huge huge focus in the Mm. film I think even there was a YouTube interview I watched where Rami Malek the actor Freddie Mercury in the film says um the film is about Mary Austin not about Freddie Mercury which I do not agree with (laughs) I think yeah no (laughs) that was a bit out there I think maybe because he was dating the person who played Mary I don't know <laughs> but it's it like a really odd comment to make I think it is they really kind of she's definitely like a metaphor in the film for this person he like relies on and she like for example when he's going through a lot he breaks up from the band he goes out with this kind of manager person who doesn't treat him very well she in the film kind of comes over I think it's Germany is that where he's at at the time comes over and tells him to come back so she's that kind of like savior element in the film because there's a quote mm. from him actually that he says she is the love of my life to my soulmate apart from sexually and every other aspect so she was a huge part of his life I, from what I gather but yeah I think if we're talking about his sexuality and like what that meant to him and the journey he went on at a time when it was very difficult you, you don't want to focus too much on that I think but but Rocketman did not receive the same amount of criticism for this 
the only criticism I saw was I know Elton John got angry because people were saying it should have been a gay man playing him instead of Taron Egerton, who is straight. Elton John himself said, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. I chose him. It's just kind of acting. does a very good job. I'm fine with it. You guys should be as well. But Rocketman is um, praised for their representation of gay men in their gay sex scene. It's kind of quite clear that they are, instead of being kind of stuffly hinted at, you see Richard Madden's character and Taron Egerton's character they um, clearly have sex in the scene. But I think the issue is, is that was rated 15 um, and Bohemian Rhapsody was rated 12. So they're not going to be able to have explicit sex scenes in. But I guess that was a creative decision by the director and the team. Do people like Rocket Man because it portrays Elton John's relationships as being, I mean, at the start, not towards the end with his manager, but being intimate rather than... Yeah. In Bohemian Rhapsody, they just feel like it's hyper-sexualized. Is that why people preferred it? Because if they prefer the intimate scenes, I guess that is something that sometimes is lost in LGBT relationships. And again, it's that bringing up of the issue of feeling hyper-sexualized yes. or kind of being seen as promiscuous. And I guess the thing is with um, Rocket Man, I think, is that then they have really similar scenes to Bohemian Rhapsody where they kind of it's like represented that he's at a club and it's clearly trying to represent he's having sex with lots of people. That's that kind of scene in both of them. Um, but in Rocket Man, he at the beginning when he says he's addicted to sex, it's kind of saying that that period of his life wasn't due to his sexuality. Him kind of being promiscuous was its own separate issue. I guess that's mm-hmm. good to kind of dis- distinguish the link there if you know what I mean that mm. whereas I guess in Bohemian Raps there's a period where he looks very promiscuous and I guess the issue is people have with it is that it's very hinted is that because he's gay he has this very safe relationship with a woman and then all of a sudden he's mm. promiscuous with all these men is that and then that's the link that's made in both films I guess it's kind of the message that's whether intentionally or not I guess that's the message that comes across for, for a lot of people yeah but then obviously like it's fine if he was promiscuous mm. like whatever he yeah. decided to do it's fine exactly. but it is whenever you talk about these subjects it is so sensitive and it is so personal to so many exactly. people to make sure that they are represented fairly so it's ah oh, it's always that this is the issue i think we're trying to look back and go look at what a hard time it was because it's still a hard time people are still you know it's still not truly accepted by many group society i think it's in our society it's improved but still I guess that's the issue in trying to rep you know it's always going to be an issue representing it like you say on screen because it's so sensitive and people are still struggling with discrimination about it today that I guess you do have to be very careful with it on screen and I guess it's I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I think there's definitely lots of things that I think the film could have done better the human rhapsody especially but it is, I think, very difficult um, as a kind of multi-million Hollywood film to try and achieve that. But Well, we got very deep for a second there and I'm finishing my drink, so we shall wrap it up. Um, but yes, yeah, so like I've said, despite having more controversy that I've read about with accuracy, representation of sexuality, all that, Bohemian Rhapsody, um, it definitely seems more popular. Bohemian Rhapsody grossed over 903 million US dollars worldwide compared to only 195 of Rocketman. And even though they were a few months apart mm. being released, 
that is still a mm. phenomenal amount. I looked at it and um, Heaving Rhapsody grossed a couple more hundred million than um, Star is Born as well, which was also very popular. Mm. And not as reliable source, but I did an Instagram poll and <laughs> 66 <laughs> of people said they preferred Heaving Rhapsody. I think we were the same. I think as a kind of getting away from the kind of issue tackles and representation which is very important but I think as films themselves and kind of an enjoyable thing to watch and a creative product I did enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody more I think if I had to pick one to watch it would be that one I think it was a combination of all the things I think it was the writing how the music was done it was interesting having it as more that was their performances in Rocket Man it's more of like a musical they perform the numbers. Yeah. I think some songs were written just for the film as well. I think that one where it's... Oh, wow. Even he's a boy, I think it's all members of his family. They're all singing oh, in the yeah. house. I think that was written for it. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. I'd recommend them to everyone. As we've already said, I think music plays a big part in it. But even if you're not kind of a huge fan of the music, it's definitely good to watch. And if you love the music, it's a great sing song. You can... One minute you're crying, the next you're singing along to like absolutely so it's fine. Um, yeah, would you agree with all that? Yeah, definitely. I think I love the character as in of the entire film of Rocket Man, especially when he's younger yes. and you're seeing that progression. I love that we get to see Elton John as a young boy and like learning his talent and seeing that develop. Yes. I think that was really a really special part of the film that is actually yeah this this but, is what i was saying before about how we talk about sexuality being a big part and it is but it is about seeing their progression as individuals and they're both so talented and they realize that is, like, that is, is important the celebration yeah and i think in, of their talent you mean rhapsody as well there's really notable moments he right at the beginning he not even in a band and he meets them and they think he's a bit weird at first but he manages to get in he changed his name at one point to Freddie Mercury, which is all very symbolic and is amazing. I mean, they're both amazing people and it is great to kind of see mm. that journey. And we all love an underdog. We do. We like to see the, them come out on top. Exactly. <laughs> and obviously, you know, our generation as well to actually see that we never would have had any idea about that and growing up. So it's definitely very interesting to see that aspect of well, as well, sorry. Well, anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. If you have made it to the end, thank you so much. I'm very impressed. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, let me know what you thought of this episode. It's just the first one, just giving it a go. Um, We're going to try and do various different kind of types of films and TV shows. Let me know if you want, have any suggestions of what you should do, whether you'd like to be involved. Yeah, I'm easy. I'm not exactly doing much else at the minute. So let me know. But thank you anyway. Thanks for joining me for Afters. See you next time. Cheers.